everyone, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. We're recording on Wednesday night at about quarter after seven. So the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, just spoke at six. And I'm not sure what I was expecting, but somehow I'm disappointed by the lack of information that was shared. There wasn't a whole lot that that went down, but he did he did talk a little bit about next season, about about different things. So, Taylor, why don't you fill us in on everything that Gary Bettman shared? Yeah, so he he was speaking in um, Colorado ahead of the Stanley Cup Finals. So, like, we weren't there. I didn't have the opportunity to ask questions. There wasn't anything virtual. Um, I would have liked to have, like, asked or had someone ask about uh, like player safety and stuff like that, like head contact. But yeah, none, none of that. I mean, there were some interesting developments. The big thing, um, revenue this year uh, from the league, not only is it um, going to go back to, you know, pre-COVID levels, but they're projecting uh, record high revenues for, for league history. So $5.2 billion. Um, the last uh, season that was completely unaffected by COVID, so eighteen nineteen, uh, he said that revenue was about four point six billion. So uh, quite a, quite a jump, and a lot of that yeah. is the big TV deal. And uh, because of that, you know, all the debt's almost going to be repaid. And he said um, they're expecting normal salary cap increases like year to year in within two to three years. Uh, so, so that's pretty big. I mean, we might see minor mm-hmm. increases, like, you know, like the cap went up 1 million, it's going up 1 million, uh, for next season. Normal increases are a, a couple more million than that year to year. So that's what we're going to see right. in two to three years. And that's, I mean, that's huge, right? Because yeah. oh my God. Figure what Gensel's contract is going to be ending soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they need that, uh, and especially when they have, uh, four more years left in this Jack Johnson buyout. Oh, uh, every time that's mentioned, it just, uh, I feel a twinge in my heart. I, uh, I think I've brought it up the past like four to five episodes. Yeah. It's been, it's been very applicable the last four to five episodes. It's just, Oh God, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, yeah. When we're talking about, you know, contract extensions for, for Malk and Latang, if $2 million is the sticking point, I mean, that's like what they're paying Jack Johnson next year. So mm-hmm. uh, the Jack Johnson buyout looms large in two to three uh, years. Hopefully we won't be talking about it as much because the <laughs> I was hoping, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the 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 salary kept going up. Uh, that was that was the biggest thing. Next season starts uh, October 11th. They're gonna go back to a normal, you know, season schedule. We're we're close to normal season schedule. Um, yeah, a couple weeks off right now. But so next year they are planning on going back to a normal, uh, normal season schedule. Um, other like league wide thing. They were asked, you know reporters are going to be back in the locker room next season. Billy, Bill Daly, um, deputy commissioner, he was there too. He said uh, he expects reporters back in the locker room when the time is appropriate. I'm like, I don't, every other league is letting reporters back in the locker rooms. And I, yeah, I, this, I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much fans care about like this kind of stuff, but um, I mean, like, I feel like if you're a fan, you're missing out on, like, stories. And we're not mm-hmm. able to have, like, a, a one-on-one conversation with a player. It's all these, like, press conference settings. Like, fan, they're still getting content. So I don't know how much, you know, they're aware of what they're missing out. But you're missing out. We're not yeah. able to have one-on-one conversations with players. 
don't know. Yeah. Well, the group interviews are just robotic. It, it's just so much like it's, it's a press conference and I don't know anybody who actively enjoys listening to or watching press conferences. You watch it for the information and it's like, okay, well then I guess that's all I need to know. And I'll go on about my day, but yeah, there are a lot of things that little tiny details that are being lost that are actually what make sports so engaging and fun. It's like seeing the personality of these guys and different things that are going on, different underlying storylines. Like, yeah, that's, that's going to be such a breath of fresh air when that comes back. Um, and hopefully that is soon. Cause like you said, ev- everybody else is allowing that to return. The NHL is just dragging their feet. I, I do see fans comments, you know, like after, you know, Jari would have a bad game or whatever. They're going to be like, Oh, of course, Jari's not talking in- to the media. Like they say that yeah. like they, they think he's ducking it, but that's not how it is. It's, you know, like the team PR after a game will pick, you know, three or four players that'll talk. Yeah. Um, they're not they're not picking a player that had a bad game, in and except in like really rare you know circumstances. Yeah. So if a player does have a bad game, you're not you're not hearing from him afterwards in these in these press conference settings. We might get to talk to him you know a couple of days later after you know a practice, but um, that's something that I think fans do notice that they're 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 missing out on because yeah yeah it's not like that the players pick who's going to talk or I mean we can make requests but for the most part after games it's PR picking the players so and I feel like we we got the same players after like bad games you know like guys like mm. Mike Matheson Marcus Pedersen really good at uh, talking and giving insightful answers and I know, yeah, it felt like you know, like Mike Matheson became like the go-to guy for stuff like that and even if it wasn't a bad game on him it was just you know I would like to talk to more of a variety um yeah uh let's see other takeaways um uh something they said uh Bill Daly said the Stanley Cup won't go to Russia or, or Belarus this year so you know uh some like like Nikita Kucherov, Vasilevsky, if Tampa wins, you know they they can have their day with the cup. It can't be in Russia, um, so I think that's because I don't know the the league really doesn't have a lot of power to mm-hmm. impose sanctions on. And you know I it, I don't it's not it wouldn't be right to say like we're not going to draft you know Russian players or we're not going to let Russia right. have a day with the cup. But something you know not letting the cup go to Russia, I think that's that's the right call. Yeah. That's something they have control over and also is probably for the best given the current climate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were asked uh, a couple times, I feel like this comes up at least the past couple of years, uh, about long-term IR and if there's going to be any changes to it. Um, obviously, people are bringing this up because of Tampa and um, you know stuff like keeping Kucherov on until the playoffs last year and you know, they've had guys on LTIR this year, too. And um, every time Daly, Bettman are asked about this, they're very defensive, you know, about how we've had this system in place for 17 years. It's worked for 17 years. Don't don't see any changes coming. Um, Bettman said, I don't think they've been using – he was asked, you know, about, like, the loopholes they've been using. Uh, he said, I don't think they've been using loopholes. They've been using the agreement as it's been drafted. They're not using loopholes. They're using effective cap management. Everyone's operating under the same agreement. So 
I I don't see any changes coming there. Uh, I guess that's it's tricky when it's a situation where every team could do that if they chose to, but only certain teams have. So it would be difficult to to rally to change that when it's not like only one team has that advantage. It's, but at the same time, it's kind of, at least in my opinion, it feels like it should be an unspoken, unwritten rule. Don't, don't circumvent the cap like that. And yeah. Yeah. And the league does investigate, um, you know, like if a player is on long term IR for, you know, a long amount of time, the, the league does investigate mm-hmm. that for misuse. Some, I mean, when Kucherov was on it, the whole regular season, season they did investigate. Yeah. He wasn't on it while he was healthy. It just seems like the timing is very perfect. I mean, yeah, maybe Tampa that year waited long, delayed his surgery long enough that mm. it made that possible. But again, that's not, that's not illegal. Um, if, if they do that. Um, but yeah, I, and it's still not like you don't want to have players on long term IR, even if you're doing that. Because I mean, normally, um, if you're not using long term IR, teams bank unused cap space throughout the year. So if you know their salary cap mm-hmm. um, is is low to start the year, all that space that you're not using, you can accumulate, and then by the time you get to the trade deadline. You can put that towards, you know, okay. a higher salary player and really load up at the deadline in that way. But when you're using long-term IR, you're not banking any unused cap space. So, gotcha. In that way, it's not like it's something that teams want to be doing using long-term IR. I guess I agree that you know I don't think changes need to be made. I mean, the thing yeah. with Kucherov last year was obviously very. Um, you don't see that happen all the no. time. Or, you know, mm-hmm. a top guy was on the full year, then he comes back, you know, game one in the playoffs. That's that's not a common thing. So I don't think you yeah. need to make a bunch of changes just because of that. Because um, it is a system yeah. that they used for 17 years, really, without those kind of issues. Issues. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Um, Did he say anything else? The, uh, on the, the Coyotes playing in the Arizona State Arena. Uh, so, I mean, they're probably going to be there for a couple of years. That's right. Um, before, you know, they're they're in talks to get a new arena in, in Tempe. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're quite a ways away from breaking ground on there. So, oh God, yeah. even if that does come to fruition, they're going to be at this uh, ASU arena for a couple of years. Uh, Batman, he did say you have you do what you have to do if you believe in a market long term. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's seeing that causes him to believe in that market, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I, and he's like, you look at you know other teams when they came to uh, into the league and they had to play in smaller arenas. He he went back to when the Atlanta Flames relocated to Calgary. He's like, you know, they played it. Um, I don't remember the name of the arena, but I did look it up, and it was a seven thousand seat arena. But I mean, that was decades ago. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say, how long ago was that exactly? Yeah, yeah that was. Yeah, decades. that's not the same. I think it's Tampa. What did something similar when they first came into the league? Um, 
he said I can't remember which NFL team he mentioned, but again, it was something a long time ago. Um, yeah, not how that this works. is. Yeah, I this I think this is different. And the arena that they're playing in at ASU, it's five thousand seats. That's like about the size of like the Nailers uh, West Banco oh. Arena. I don't know, and I—I I mean, I've, bad. I've been to games at like West Banco and like how sm- it's a you know it's a tiny building. I can't imagine yeah. watching an NHL team, a real NHL game, in that. Yikes! Setting. That's kind of embarrassing, just a little bit. Yeah, so I don't know how how long they're gonna. I mean, obviously they want to get this new arena deal done, um, keep the team yeah. here in Arizona, but. I mean, like you got like Quebec City with like a you know a new facility that could accommodate mm. an NHL team. Um, oh my god, it's being unused. I don't. How long are we gonna keep this Coyotes experiment going? TBD. I guess they can. They'll go on for as as long as they have faith in the market. I don't know. That's kind of disturbing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those are pretty much the, the biggest takeaways from that. I mean, other stuff like, uh, you know, like Evander Kane, that investigation's ongoing with, you know, his contract being terminated. Um, that might go into the start of free agency July 13th. Um, might go past that just because, like, the, the arbitrator they're using is unavailable in June. I don't know if he's on vacation okay. or what, but... Um, there's that. There's the um, alleged sexual sexual assault um, with Hockey Canada. Um, it, it was eight players um, involved. This was a couple years ago. Um, CHL players, players from the World Junior Team that year. It's unclear who exactly is involved, but it's eight of them. Some of them obviously in the NHL right now. Um, that's under investigation. They really didn't say a whole lot about that other than um, they weren't, I believe this happened in 2019. They weren't aware of it at the time. They only became aware of it when this lawsuit got filed in the spring. Um, Yikes. and they, they're investigating. They're going to be talking to the players that were on that team. And, um, they were, they didn't commit to releasing the results of the findings, mm. but they said they hope to, um, obviously pretty important. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. My God, yeah, that's that. Uh, again, not not what a whole lot other. Uh, I, I I wish someone would have asked about, um, like I said, like player safety stuff. Like you know, you're gonna make any changes to like head contact rules after we've seen Jacob Truba how many times? Um, oh my God! Like I've I I, can't, I think I've mentioned on here before. I I'd like to see it like head contact be treated the same way as like a high stick if. Yeah, the players high sticked. We're not looking at like, did they mean to? It was their intent. Did the high? Mm-hmm. Did the stick mainly hit you know the head, or was it like mainly somewhere else on the body? No, you're just expected to be in control of your stick. Yeah, do, do the same with head contact. Any head contact, that's it. I mean, that's what they do internationally. So it's not like you know, there's not examples of of how this work in an actual game. Just mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's worth a shot at least. Yeah. Couldn't hurt the current situation. Literally could possibly only help. Yeah. I mean, because if you have, again, players like Jacob Tuba who have seemingly mastered um, the hit with the follow through to the head, you know, he's not, Mm -hmm. it's not the main point of contact ahead, but he's definitely making sure he gets that contact in. 
don't know. Uh, take out the gray area. Yep. There's no, there's no need for that. Yeah. All right. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. And we're back. The Penguins announced a series of promotions this week within the organization. They promoted Chris Pryor to assistant GM, Andy Saucier to hockey operations analyst and pro personnel, and then Eric Heasley to GM of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Woo-woo. And then today they announced that the president of business operations will be Kevin Ackland. So Taylor, what does this mean? for the organization as a whole what's it going to look like what changes will be made yeah i mean the so the assistant gm position that's been open since january since um patrick alvin was named gm of of uh, vancouver so um i it seems like a lot with most of these moves not much is going to be changing um uh i mean Prior, he he has been around. He was the director of player personnel. He 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 was involved in these kind of personnel decisions already. Yeah. Um. So it seems like more so just just the title. Um, gotcha. Is really changing for him, uh, because it is kind of a role he has been filling. Um, Andy Socher. So I, it, that's kind of a that's a new position that he's being promoted mm. to. He, you know, he was the video coach for the last ten years. Um, in his new role, he's going to be kind of the, the go between, between the analytics staff and the coaching staff. So maybe with that, I think this is maybe the, the, where we see the biggest change. Maybe this, um, means we see analytics being used more. Um, and I also have heard that they do plan on making at least another hire to the analytics department. Um, right now they only do have two people in their analytics department, which is one of the smallest analytics departments in the league. Um, I, uh, with only two people, I, I believe there are only eight or nine other teams in the league that have two or fewer people in their uh, analytics staff. So um, between the, the new hire that, that, that I hear is coming and then um, Andy Socher being, you know, this kind of go-between guy with the coaching staff. and Nice. Uh, it seems like they're going to be using it more. Um, cool. And that doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, it's just additional information um, that they can use, it, whether how the coaching staff uses it, um, that's up to them. But just giving them more information can't, can't hurt. Um, yeah. And that it is the video coach doing this. I mean, video and like the eye test and analytics go hand in hand. So right. it's not that they're just going to be looking at spreadsheets and making personnel decisions off of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric Heasley, I mean, he's he's been around for I believe fourteen years now. Uh, yeah. He he the past three years he was the assistant GM of of Wilkes-Barre, and then he was interim GM because um, Patrick Alvin was doing like the GM of Wilkes-Barre duties when he left. He so again, this is another thing where he officially does get that title, but it's a job he has been mm-hmm. doing. Um, Kevin Ackland. Uh, kind of in the same boat. So he was the COO. Um, and now he's the president of business operations. That's kind of a new, that's a new title, but it's kind of filling the vacancy that was left by um, Morehouse uh, stepping down. But 
uh, with Morehouse, at least over the past season, I had heard that Kevin Ackland had really been kind of doing those duties already. Um, okay. At least t- not, you know, taking over for Morehouse, but handling a lot of what Morehouse would be doing. Um, just, you know, the business side of things and stuff like mm-hmm. the development of the, you know, like the Civic Arena site, that kind of stuff. So it seems like this is another uh, area where uh, I'm not, you're, you're probably not going to notice a whole lot of change. It's, it's more of a title thing. Um, and then also kind of buried in that announcement is that Brian Burke is going to be staying on. I know that people had been speculating or, or wondering, yeah. I, again, not really based off of anything, whether Burke would be back. I mean, yeah, Burke is going to be back. Um, I, I see a lot of at any time Brian Burke. You mentioned him. I, I don't. Know, I see comments on the site and like replies on Twitter. Like, what does he even do? It seems like he just talks to the media. I mean, that from the beginning when he got hired, he he talked about how that was going to be a big part of his job because um, Ron Hextall obviously does not really like speaking with the media and doing those kind of press conferences. Um, and Burke has, had said, like, if I can take that off of his plate, you know, he said this in the beginning when he got hired. And he said, if I can take, you know, that away from him and be, you know, kind of the, the, the mm-hmm. public, you know, facing, you know, the, the voice, um, yeah. that's something Hextall doesn't have to worry about. And Hextall can worry about, you know, contracts or whatever he's doing, like being a mm-hmm. GM and Burke can handle, you know, uh, putting the message out there, what they want to, what they want to say. And, and he's also, I mean, Hextall really doesn't say a whole lot in these press conferences. Burke typically does. So, um, yeah, I mean, that makes it worth it, I think, on our standpoint. But mm-hmm. um, stuff like, and I mean, yeah, he's just kind of like a, a sounding board for Hextall. They work together on these decisions. That's that's what he does. Um, that's what his role was supposed to be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not, not a ton of changes coming other than maybe uh, increased analytics. That's cool. So this really isn't anything that is a result of the the new ownership or even um, it's just anything exterior. It just sounds like it's a lot of naming titles uh, that were already kind of being filled by by guys, just kind of switching those up a bit. Yeah, it seems like uh, FSG, you know, they do have confidence in the existing people on the ground. Um, I mean, like, like Sullivan too. I mean, when, you know, when they came in, um, the, um, Werner, the, the chairman, a couple of reporters got to speak with him, uh, on, uh, you know, shortly after the deal went through when they, when they bought the team and he, you know, called like Sullivan, like the greatest, uh, one of the greatest hockey minds in the game. And he, Mm. uh, spoke highly of like Hexel and all that. And he did say that, you know, um, FSG, their kind of philosophy is very much hands off. Let the people like Hextall in the front office handle a lot of the actual yeah. hockey decisions. So, um, it just seems like a vote of confidence towards the people already, uh, on the ground. And then like it, and any increase in analytics is really overdue. If you look around the league, uh, mm-hmm. and look at how big some of these departments are, you know, sometimes they have like, you know, six, uh, like data scientists. That's what, that's what the position is called. Um, especially in the Metro, you look around the Metro, some Metro teams, they are really beefing up their analytics departments. Um, Philly, the Islanders are two teams that come to mind with pretty big departments. That doesn't mean that, I mean, they had pretty, bad bad years this year <laughs> yeah and, 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 
Yeah, I mean, it's not going to speed up a rebuild. You know, the, the Flyers are going to be bad no matter what. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that the GM has to listen to those people. It's just providing more information. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 only a good thing. Uh, you know, the coaching staff, whatever kind of, or the GMs, whatever kind of information they get from the department, it's up to them what they do with it. But you want to have as many people involved working to provide that information as you can. Got it. Love to see it. That's awesome for the Penguins um, and awesome for those guys who got promotions. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take one more break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So we're recording this Wednesday night and we're less than 20 minutes away from the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. But by the time you're listening to this, game one will have been played. But Taylor and I were just talking in the break about how we're pretty sure we both at least got the teams right in the conference finals. We we both thought that the Western Conference Finals would go um, a little bit longer than they did. But we still picked the abs and thought that the the lightning rangers series would be a little bit more hard fought and and it was it was once tampa bay took control of the series they just kind of ran with it but now we have a matchup of the lightning and the avalanche and it's going to be a very uh, hopefully entertaining series between these two teams because colorado is so fast and tampa is just so persistent and resilient it's going to be Create and they have Vasilevsky, so that I feel like that gives them the edge almost. But Taylor, who do you think is gonna win it all? And then, how many games do you see this series going? Yeah, so you know, we had to make our our staff picks on the on the site, and I said I said Avalanche and seven, and then I mean I so I'm not confident about that pick at all. You know, I want to, I think it's going to be the Abs. Uh, I mean, Tampa, you know, they obviously win the goaltending battle. They have the experience. But, I mean, the, the Avalanche, they're just a juggernaut. Um, mm-hmm. I find it hard to, to bet against the Avs. But then I think, you know, the guys like Vasilevsky, Stamkos are going to uh, make this a, a seven-game series. And then, you know, but then I was like, okay, but if I'm picking the the abs in seven, then I'm going to, that means I'm picking like Vasilevsky to lose a game seven. And mm-hmm. that doesn't seem right, but I, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> but I, yeah. I definitely avalanche six, six or seven. I'll say, I, I think I'm going to go seven, but I don't know. I think, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how fatigue comes into a factor here. Yeah. Like rest, because the avalanche have, I mean, they just swept the Oilers, you know, they're coming and rested, Tampa, it, it's has Tampa had a day off in three years? Like not really. Probably not. Yeah, Tampa's, they've been playing nonstop. They've played a ton of hockey, and they're going up against yeah. you know an Avalanche uh, team with you know a lot of young guys and again rested. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. that that's a factor. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna go Avs Avs in seven. What about you? Yeah, I. It's interesting with with having more days off because sometimes I feel like it can work in reverse where the team who rests up a little bit more comes in and they're kind of rusty because they have to find their legs again a little bit. I don't necessarily think that's what's going to happen with the abs. I think this is their year. The past several years, they've looked like they were the team to beat going into the postseason and then 
for whatever reason, they just kind of like flickered out in, in the first or second round, which was always surprising to me, but they, they really just, they look like they have it figured out this year and they look like they're not going to let anybody beat them. So I, I feel like it's going to go to six games. I think that Tampa is going to give them trouble there in the middle, but I think Colorado will start off hot um, and maybe drop a few, a couple and then take, take it the rest of the way. They're just, they're just so good. And I think that, like you said, how, how many days has Tampa had off in the past three years? Not that many. So I, I just, it's going to catch up to them eventually, no matter how good they are. It's, that's going to, that's going to come around to, to play a part. And I, I just think that there's something about this abs team. I, I think that they're, they're going to bury it once and for all, and they're going to, they're going to win it in six. And I'm hoping they do. I'm cheering for them. They're, they're a really likable team. And I just, I love to see fresh blood holding the cup. I don't, I don't want to see Tampa doing that again. Yeah. I, I, Tampa, they obviously win the goaltending battle here, whether it's mm-hmm. Kemper or Frank, or Frank Kuhn, uh Kemper starting game one. We just, again, it's happening like now as we're recording. But yeah. I mean, you look at, I mean, like Kale McCarr on, on Colorado, just, you know, I mean, like the best defenseman in the game right now kind yeah. of makes up for that, you know, difference mm-hmm. in goaltending. But uh, yeah, Colorado, it, Jack, so Jack Johnson, I'm Jack Johnson's going to get his name on the cup. I I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, good for him, I guess. I, I just, yeah. the Jack Johnson storyline, I think, has been pretty great. What he couldn't make it out of the first round in forever, pretty, uh, pretty awful time in in Pittsburgh. What he went to New York, kind of missed. He was hurt, really didn't play. He's been fine. <laughs> he's been fine in Colorado. I mean, he's not again. He's fine. like a six seven guy. He's not in the lineup every night. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't been quite as awful as he was in Pittsburgh. Um, and it has been cool to see him kind of make it to where he is now after, I mean, his yeah, entire career. Was. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah. I don't know. Pretty cool to see to see Jack Johnson. I don't, other, there aren't many other Penguins ties in this. Uh, Jason Megna is like a um, black ace on Colorado. Like, I don't think he's actually okay. Playing. Uh, and then uh, Tampa's third goalie is uh, Maxime Legacy. Oh, uh, there you go. Shut out in the last game of the regular Against season. Against Buffalo, right? Yeah, so not really oh, an NHL yeah. team at the time. But yeah, they were. That did help the Penguins clinch the division at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah not, not a whole lot of Penguins ties. I mean, Jason Magna, obviously, that was forever ago, and he really wasn't up in Pittsburgh anyway. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jack Johnson's really the only Penguins tie in here. Um, uh, other interesting stat, well, this is the first cup final in 40 years that has not had an NHL teammate of Yager. Um, so like going oh, back, RIP. Yeah. So, I mean, like going back to even like the eighties and before Yager was in mm-hmm. the league, you know, guys like Trachier who did go on to play with Yager. Yeah. That's where it comes from. But I, so, I mean, there are guys who have played with Yager internationally with the Czech team on this. Uh, and then you have, you know, guys like Stamkos who have played with Yager in the like NHL all-star game, but no like NHL mm-hmm. actual teammates. 
of the wow. for the first time. I feel significant. 40 years. Um, yeah. End of an era. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Very sad. But it was bound to happen eventually. I don't know. Well, you know, yes. he's still playing. Maybe he comes back. Uh, That's true. Maybe he'll just start yeah, that. Um, yeah. <laughs> start the, what's it called? Oh, my God. I'm blanking on the word. He'll start that cycle over again. And yeah. then we'll go the next 40 years where somebody would have been a teammate of Yammer Yager's. Yeah, he's timeless. He really is timeless. He's a gem. Love that man. Well, thanks everybody for listening. As always, we drop new episodes every Thursday, so make sure you're subscribed, whether it's on our YouTube channel or wherever it is you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week. Bye.